Sequel Cast 2 and Friends is a part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Everybody across the land, here's a special from Sequel Cast, though I don't know what it's gonna be about. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast Special, a show about whatever idea I'm pleased. Um, it gives me no pleasure to do these in memoriam episodes. This one is especially hard for me. Uh, this is Gilbert Gottfried. Um, it's a bit late, but that's how it happens sometimes. The last one of these we did was for Bruce Willis. We don't do these every time a celebrity dies, just one I think who's meant a lot to us here at the show. And um, I mean, this year, 2022, there's been... In late 2021, there's been a lot of comics, right? We did, uh, there's Norm MacDonald, uh, Louis Anderson, Bob Saget, Gilbert Gottfried. Of the recent run of shows, no, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah it's been quite the year. It has, it has. Um, so uh, with me is Thrasher. So uh, a talent agent is in his office and it's the end of the day, but he gets a buzz from his secretary saying there's a really interesting act he ought to check out. Which is okay, if they can make their audition quick, I'll check it out. And so uh, uh, a family act comes in. It's a mother, a father, two kids, and a dog. And also their grandma's there. And I'll uh, leave the rest to your imagination. <laughs> yeah, your Gilbert sounds a bit like your Stan Lee, I think, at times. Hello, true believers. Yeah. And uh, also with this is Alex. Mommy's all right. Daddy's all right. But Gilbert Gottfried is dead. He would have appreciated that one. Hey, you know, I, in, in, in tribute to crass humor, right? Yes, yeah. I, I guess we might as well start there. Has uh, any of us seen him live? I always meant to, and I was like, oh, I'll see him next time. And then uh, these comedians keep on dying, unfortunately. I was kind of in the same position. I, I always wanted to, but it just like never, never worked out. If he was ever in proximity to me, I didn't have money for tickets. I, yeah, I right. hadn't, but um, I had a really classic moment of snapping on someone because I heard he was coming through uh, the mass area. And I was like, oh, man, I'd love to go see Gilbert Gottfried live. And a coworker of mine said, why would you want to go see him? He has such a horrible voice. And I turned around and said, uh, don't you fuck get it? That's the point. <laughs> yes. It's it's really quite something. I mean, I, we can start with a little bit of a biography and then kind of go in reverse chronology on the IMDb, starting with the older stuff, going to the newer stuff, kind of doing quick hits around Robin like uh, like we tend to do. I'll, I'll give a uh, disclosure. Like Gilbert Gottfried, I've never met. I've never talked to. I have talked a bit with his uh, his co-host on the podcast, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Classical Podcast, Frank Santopadre. His his Patreon I uh, contributed to, and it had a newsletter. They were thinking of ways to get people to subscribe. So I wrote a column on the newsletter. Uh, it's not quite sure what's going to happen to the show. Um, at any rate, the the uh, the repeats will air as like classic episodes, and it also airs on Sirius XM, hmm. I think on their comedy station or something like that. 
So Gilbert Gottfried, I mean, he he's older than he looks. He was 67 years old, so that's not terribly old. But born in 1955, he uh, was a high school dropout, started doing stand-up comedy in when he was 15. In uh, 80, he was on Saturday Night Live in the infamous sixth season, where the original oh, yes. group, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, uh, all those guys all left. And uh, Lauren Michaels left. You had a, a new producer, a new uh, showrunner. Or the showrunner was supposed to be Al Franken, but that didn't happen for whatever reason. I think Al Franken is still angry about that from what I've read. This was the, this was the Gene Domanian period, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, that's right. Didn't they call it Saturday Night Live 1980 or something? Uh, on the title cards, it was Saturday Night Live apostrophe 80. Yeah, yes. okay. And, and even um, this was the first time, and, and critics have done it a lot since, uh, you saw a headline, Saturday Night Dead. Like, it seems like every few years people are like, oh, is the show going to, it's not as good as it used to be. And, well, I That's agree with that to some level. say whenever there's a changing of the guard, you know. It's That's like, right, it's a major dead. changing, yeah. It's just the people you love aren't on it anymore. Get over it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, right, like, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's not as good. It's not as good as you remember it. But when you remember it was when you were 14. Right. When the show. I, was I mean, perfect that, that's the real key. It's like The Simpsons, right? Whatever episodes you watched between ages of like 10 and 15 are the ones you're going to think were the best. Yeah, everyone our age group is going to say, you know, seasons four through eight are the best. And it's like, well, duh. Uh, yes. Now, admittedly, it does it does have its ups and downs, but it's still it's still a good show. Although, although I, I having seen all of the episodes Gilbert Gottfried is is on, it was not the best showcase for his talents. Tell her it was another woman. Right, I can't deal with this anymore. I lied. I love it when you two fight. Uh, no! It doesn't help, and I think we've kind of beat this horse uh, to death. It's, NBC is bad about archiving Saturday Night Live. The first mm. five seasons did get official releases on disc with the music rights cleared, but the, the version that's on Peacock, while the ads say, oh, it's every season of SNL, and that's sort of true, so much is cut from sketches for rights reasons, whether it's the guest host not signing off on something or music most... Uh, Typically, I mean, there's episodes from that that 1980 season that are only 10 minutes long, as featured on Peacock. Wow, that's fucking ridiculous. Oh, agreed. And also, speak, speaking of this period of Saturday Night Live, and, and this is a story that Gilbert told several times in his podcast. But yeah, yeah. he found out he, he had been fired from the show by a piece of fan mail. That's right. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, he had gotten yeah because like they were still they were still like in the SNL offices and they were still like planning for like future episodes. Uh, I think the show was like on a hiatus or something, and he picked up some fan mail. I was like, "Wow, I got fan mail! That's amazing!" And he and one of the letters he opens up and it's just this nice consoling letter. I'm so sorry to hear of your firing from SNL, or to hear that that you and your whole cast have been fired from SNL. I know you're going to go on to better things. Damn. Right. I mean, when he was at SNL, he didn't really like it. Um, and he kind of viewed as getting fired as something he wanted to happen for a long time. <laughs> you know, out of that 1980 cast, the, the ones that really uh, popped uh, in, in later years were Eddie Murphy, right? And yep. uh, Joe Piscopo. And as much as people make jokes about Joe Piscopo, and it's easy to do, 
um, he his his Sinatra his his presence on the show was a big deal. He was star of Dead Heat too. Uh, yeah, which we did a sequel commentary on years ago. On oh, actually, show. I believe. Oh, actually, sure. I, believe i believe i believe eddie murphy and in, in piscopo they I, I believe they came after i believe they were in the cast no. that replaced godfrey's cast nope they were on with godfrey oh but oh never mind yeah but but murphy um i think like in the first episode or two of the season he like didn't even have any lines and was in the background and stuff and i don't know what his breakout uh sketch was that's a good Trivia question. I don't think he had one. I don't think anyone early on, from that yeah. particular season had one. I mean, eventually, you know, Murphy would do Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood and that would uh, change James things, Brown, yeah. James Brown Hot Tub, uh, Eddie with, with the Bill Cosby beer. Oh, like, and uh, uh, Gumby. Uh, oh, of course, <laughs> I'm Gumby. Damn it, yes, yes. And then the Fifth Beetle, which is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. She loves you. Well, she loves you, man. Help me, help me, man. <laughs> I really like um, Eddie Murphy's. Uh, we'll get back to Godfrey in a minute. I love. Uh, he did it when he came back later as a guest host, but it was a short film called White Like Me, and oh, he puts oh, on white face, great. and and goes on uh, goes around New York, and uh, it's it, it's still I think a very uh, relevant sketch. Sadly, I, I love that. It's not Gilbert Godfrey is not involved in it at all. But like, I love no, the no, bit no. where where Murphy goes into the bank and he sees yes. a, a black guy get denied a loan, and he sits down in the manager's office, and the manager doesn't say anything. The manager just hands him this wad of like bills and says, "Here, here's ten thousand dollars. Pay it back whenever, or don't pay it back at all. I don't care." It's right. such a it's, great moment. Such a smart, sharp sketch. Uh, you know, so other stuff uh, Godfrey done, kind of brief overlook of his career. Uh, people probably knew him. Uh, he was had a part on an episode of The Cosby Show that Sinbad was the main guest star on that happened to be the most watched episode of television ever for a time. And how's, uh, how's Mrs. Huxtable? Oh, so-so. So-so. See, I heard she was made a partner in her law firm. She's in the biggest law firm in the country. Beverly Hills Cop 2, he had a supporting part that, uh, he had a scene that got him notices. But, of course, I think in the mainstream, uh, him doing animation voices, in particular as the voice of Iago the Parrot in Aladdin, and you had him as kind of the bad guy in the Problem Child films. Yeah, and it was around around roughly ish the same time because uh, I think I think comedy people knew about him. I knew about him before he voiced Iago the parrot, and I'll talk about where that's from in a little bit. But you know, the thing about doing a voice in a Disney movie like that is Disney is very loyal to their cast members. So if you do an animal sidekick once, you're going to be doing that animal sidekick for years, and like throughout the decades, he came back. To read to voice Iago the parrot in the Aladdin sequels, in the Aladdin animated series, at different attractions, at different Disney theme parks, in video games, in PSAs. And that is just a great voice for the world's angriest comedy parrot. And it also led to him being typecast as angry comedy birds. Yeah, it's it's funny because as a live performer, seeing him in person or seeing him, you know, doing a live action film. I think his comedy delivers so much more. 
seeing the facial gestures and and the bodily gestures. Ah, uh, so yes. You yeah. hear that voice. I mean, I'd like to be cool and say, yeah, I knew him before Iago. No, I was like fucking eight. Um, <clears throat> but like when you are young and impressionable, when you hear that voice, you'll never forget that voice. Even if you don't know who it is, you're going to remember that forever. And I think that's what embedded him for a whole generation of, of people growing up. Oh no, I totally, I I totally like that because like when I when I was in college, I was there. Believe it or not, some of my friends weren't comedy nerds, and like you know, if we'd be like up late, like watching late night with Conan O'Brien, and like they and they would bring on Gilbert Godfrey to like do a bit on the show, and there'd be like two people in the room whose faces would light up and go, oh, "That's Iago," and th- that was always a great uh-huh. moment. <laughs> the, yeah, the so Gilbert was- Godfrey could bring so much joy to people. Oh, and that was one of the early lessons of, like, what a voice actor does. Like, I'd be, you know, walking around playing with toys or something, and then I'd hear that voice, and then my mom would be like, well, that's an actor. He voices the parrot. You know, the the parrot isn't alive and talks. But, but, Uh, uh, Matt, you talked about, like, the gestures and the facial expressions and things. I I think that also just goes into that performance. They animated the hell out of Iago. No, what's funny with sort of the the Disney publicity machine, um, I mean, it's not just Disney that does this, but, you know, in the press, they were going like, oh, yeah, when uh, when Gilbert and Robin were in the same room recording their lines, watch out, who knows what would happen. All those actors are recorded separately. Unfortunately, (laughs) that's how they do it. Uh, But you're right. They did, you know, videotape uh, and animators would do uh, the quick sketches as the the main actors were were live in the booth. But to kind of segue from what Alex said earlier... You said the first time, uh, Alex, you had heard of Gilbert was as Iago in Aladdin. I think for me, it would have been in those problem child movies, renting those. Oh, yeah, those were big. What about you, Thrasher? You had mentioned a specific uh, early Gilbert Gottfried uh, memory. Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've, all, I've, all, I've always been a nerd. And in 1990, my favorite TV show was Superboy. And it was a syndicated, it was the first ah. one syndicated show yep. about a young Clark Kent being a superhero, uh, initially in his high school, but then in like on a college campus. And, you know, it's it's first run syndication. It had, it was very ambitious and they would do stories even if they didn't have the special effects to really pull the stories off. And I really admire that approach. But Gilbert Godfrey had a returning role as a supervillain that they made up for the show. He uh, played a mad scientist named Knickknack. And like his whole his whole thing was, you know, he Superboy had arrested him for an unspecified reason early on in his criminal career. So every episode with Knickknack was Knickknack trying to get revenge on Superboy. You ruined everything, Superboy! Look what you did to the super suit! When are you gonna learn, Nick? Toys are for kids. It's really great because it's a mad scientist with Gilbert Godfrey's voice who's angry all the time and who wears Hawaiian shirts. And it's just great to hear Gilbert Godfrey giving the supervillain speeches and just like yelling at henchmen. Uh, and it, it's, an, it's an amazing performance. And the line that always sticks with me and, and and whenever I would sort of see Gilbert Godfrey on something going forward, I would always flash back to this moment. There's an episode where his evil plot Involves building a gun, a laser gun that can kill Superboy, but for that he needs kryptonite. But for then the only chunk of kryptonite's in this like big planetarium. And so he invents a counterfeit money machine just to throw a bunch of cash at the docent at the observatory to get the meteor. And there's just this great bit where he's just like 
throwing hundred dollar bills at the guy at the observatory. I'm not here to look at the meteor alloy. I'm here to purchase the meteor alloy. <laughs> and his connection with Superman goes deeper than that because uh, around the time, so again, Knickknack was created for the show. Knickknack was eventually made part of the main DC continuity uh, shortly after in the Superboy comic in an issue co-written by Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert That's Godfrey right. was allowed to write the origin story for his supervillain. And one of my holy grails is to find that issue. Uh, I, I once had the opportunity to get it, and I'm really kicking myself that I didn't. And 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 then Gilbert Godfrey would go on to play the DC villain, Mr. Mixus Pinlick, for decades. Right, right. And he was a big, uh, big comic book guy. Um, oh, yeah. Some of his earlier work as well, he would do these... Um, I think he would write these articles and do these funny pictorials for the National Lampoon magazine. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers, as well as online at Target, Micro Center, Best Buy, Amazon, Walmart, or shop directly at HyperX.com and HP.com. What I think is funny is that with Aladdin, you get that thread going. Then you've got him in Dr. Doolittle. Um, and then look who's talking. Um, and then I feel like they pay homage to that or riff on it with some of the um, fucking roasts where they'll be like, you know, and here we have, uh, you know, via satellite uplink, Dennis Leary's dog. And it's played by Gilbert Gottfried. Or like the yeah. Jeff Foxworthy, and they're like, and we have by satellite uplink Jeff Foxworthy's fucking cow. <laughs> it's voiced by Gilbert Gottfried, and it's it's brilliant. I think it's hilarious, kind of a little round uh, roundabout homage slash parody. Right, I think too those uh, those Comedy Central roast um, that, that came you know quite a bit later. He if he wasn't on all of them, you're right. They tried to put him in the bits for him, and um, his for me the Bob Saget and the Roseanne ones he did. Or were probably uh, some of my favorites, but like he just right. takes one yeah. point and beats it into the ground. He's like, <laughs> Bob Saget killed a man in 1990. Bob Saget killed a man in 1990. <laughs> and he just like keeps on this, the timing. And that's a, a terrible Gilbert impression. Um, but yeah, looking at this movie is ones that jumps out to me. I haven't seen it, but I've seen the trailer and Gilbert talked about it on his show a lot. Silk Degrees. This was in the uh, very common uh, direct-to-video um erotic thriller oh yeah uh, classic genre, genre. And, and this one um gilbert godfrey thought was funny because you'd, you'd look at the the trailer would have you know uh, a, a woman changing out of lingerie or some kind of a tease sort of a uh, picture and it would talk about you know starring uh mark singer charles napier deborah shelton Mark Hamill and Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> he can't let her live. They can't let her die. Silk Degrees. Starring Mark Singer, Deborah Shelton, Mark Hamill, and Gilbert Gottfried. But as far as like stuff that, that leaves an impression, so he played Jerry the Belly Button Elf in an episode of Ren and Stimpy, and this was in a period of the show. Yes. This was, I think, right before before John Crick Falusi got fired from the show. 
Uh, and the show is in a really angry place. There are multiple episodes that just end with characters going psychotic and not in a funny way, in a terrifying way. And Jerry the Belly Button Elf is one of those things. And like, I don't know how Gilbert recorded this performance without his own head exploding because it's just him yelling threats into a microphone. You and I, we're going to have lots of fun. And it sounds like he's about to, it sounds like he is about to kill someone in that recording <laughs> studio. I heard like, of that you... Jerry Lewis was supposed to do it and then Gilbert had to take over. Wow. Take a time machine back to before the world went to hell, around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games, that's what I want to talk about. If you're cool enough, join us and listen to Less Than 2000, because that's all we talk about. Adam and Chad live Less Than 2000. Now part of the HyperX Podcast Network. For every episode of No More Whoppers that you listen to, we will send you a 25 cent coupon for participating Kroger's. How many Kroger's are participating? None, but you're still getting the coupon. And it's like 25 cents in 1985 dollars. Right, so today that's like... 28 cents. No More Whoppers, take that to the bank and smoke it. On the HyperX Podcast Network and nomorewhoppers.com. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Powered through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Steiner Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers, as well as online at Target, Best Buy, and Amazon, where you can shop for them directly at HyperX.com and HP.com. Another one is, I think we were going to get to this at some point, but um, the documentary on the aristocrats. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, which is a great documentary if you're a comedy nerd or you just like behind-the-scenes movie, um, you know, performance uh, stuff. And it's a total in-joke. Like, I had heard about it in, like, my old theater group. Not a theater group. Theater, uh, theater company. Not mine. One I was a part of. And a friend of mine was telling me that, like, it's a joke amongst comedians and actors. They get together and they riff and, and they come up with the raunchiest, worst, um, you know, fucked-up thing as applied to someone pitching a show to a producer or an agent, you know, with all American family and the mother and the father and the daughter and the son. And the, there's usually a dog. And um, I was like, that sounds insane. Uh, that sounds so far out. I did. I almost didn't believe him. Right. And then the documentary came out and the touchiest thing was that someone cracked a 9-11 joke like a few months after the attacks. Um, I think uh, Rob Schneider had gone on and um, some of the hosts got up and said, like, haven't we had enough bombs in New York lately? Um, and it was like, boo, too soon. So Gilbert Godfrey just gets on the stage and he starts doing the aristocrats. And like, this is, this again, this is a niche thing. This is really for like people in the business who know it. So for him to have the freaking nards to get up and be like, a talent agent is sitting in his office. A family walks in, man, woman, their two kids and their little dog. That talent agent goes, what kind of an act do you the father starts fucking his wife. The wife starts jerking off the son. The son starts going down on the sister. The sister starts fingering the dog's asshole. And you're like, holy fucking good golly, Ms. Molly. How is he going to bring this out? And he, he, he ties it all together, like masterfully. And he says, the name of the show, The Aristocrats. And it's like, brah fucking oh, like, holy shit, you did it. Well, it's, it's bigger than that. That incident happened on a Comedy Central roast that was filmed the weekend after 9-11. 
Exactly. Yeah. That's how close it was. Uh, and, and I love, I love Gilbert for doing that. And I, I love that. I love that that moment is remembered and immortalized as part of this documentary about the filthiest joke in the world. Exactly. And well, it's like, what do you do to uh, bring people together after such a, after someone making a, a bomb joke after such a horrific incident? And it's like, do you do something light? Do you do something kind of sensitive, something heartfelt? No, you do the worst, raunchiest fucking most elaborate long-winded fucking joke you can think of and, and, and somehow in these in it worked and in these trying times i wish that was how more people responded to tragedies yes yes exactly. i find that kind of stuff very healing and very empowering i i wish we would just get over ourselves and when something terrible happens if the shittiest joke in the world comes to your mind share that joke because i will probably be there laughing with you <laughs> laughing through the tears exactly yeah i mean i'm reminded of uh mel brooks you know the his first film was the producers and people were like how can you do jokes about world war ii and hitler and it's like if well jokes humor has power if you don't joke about something then you can't makes it harder to get past a tragedy and also if something about the 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 content of the producers offends you you're missing the fucking point (laughs) That's also right. true. The point is that it's the worst Broadway that you're watching the making of the worst Broadway musical ever made. And there's it's a, yeah, there's and if you, a, if you don't like a comedian, don't buy tickets to his set. I think it's like that simple. Like you have the choice of supporting that person financially or not. Don't buy the T-shirts. Don't. Yeah. But to to act like comedians owe the audience anything, I think, is a big mistake. Because that'll just lead to the that infamous Simpsons episode where the itchy and scratchy, the violent kind of Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's just two of them on a porch sipping lemonade, saying how pleasant everything is. I I do remember him vividly from an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, where I believe he was at like a movie box office or theater box office thing. I don't yeah, recall anything like else about the episode. Tater. Yeah. You want to see the scary movie, kid? <laughs> and it was just him with that voice leaning into it. Um, he was on the PSA. That doesn't fit. That's right. Uh, he had a PSA in the '90s that was just on all the time, where he was Seymour Smoke, a talking smoke detector, and it was done with a puppet instead of CG because CG wasn't quite uh, as affordable back then, or it certainly re- wasn't as. Affordable. Yeah. As I recall, a later installment of that fire safety campaign, they did move over to CGI. But yeah, I I, we all learned thanks to Gilbert. We all learned how to be cool about fire safety despite what you're hearing me do that voice is irreplaceable exactly and the irony is that they had the nards or not the nards but they had the they weren't able to get so they were able to recast robin williams but you can't recast gilbert Gottfried in a voice acting role i had no idea how deep that goes as we're scrolling right? like because i knew we all knew cyber chase and we all knew the affleck duck yes but as yeah. we're going up here I'm like oh yeah yeah he was the duck in a series of unfortunate events and also he was a penguin in farce of the penguins and also he was a parrot in home movies and like i keep seeing all these damn birds that's <laughs> so weird that you're the bird guy that's a very very that's got to be a record of like the most specific brand of typecasting <laughs> Alex, what's the Gilbert thing that jumps out? Um, another one that jumps out. Well, what jumps out is that when you a lot of his deliveries, especially with the roasts, are the dumbest setups, right? It's always like a guy walks into a bar or yes, a genie yes. comes out of a lantern. Like these are like like comedy one oh one jokes. And yet 
he makes them work because like you said earlier um you know he either pounds the same thing in, into the ground till it's pulled but it's still hilarious pulp um and again these very 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 broad joke telling techniques that's one step away from a knock knock joke but it's so goddamn funny because you think he's gonna go there and then he just goes a little bit farther just far enough to the point where it's it's horrible, you know, whether he's commenting on a Pamela Anderson's vagina or if he's talking about how washed up David Hasselhoff is or whatever. It's so far and it's so extreme, but it's done in this weird way that it's hilarious and it's also doesn't feel like it's in poor taste. And if it's in poor taste, I'll then get over it. That after the cancellation of the original Ninja Turtles animated series, um, there has never, never has more than a year gone by without there being a Ninja Turtles property on television. Uh, it is one of the most consistent intellectual properties on TV. So, in the you talk mid about how many times it's been rebooted at least what half a dozen times, if not more. Oh, yeah. and that's just on TV. That's not counting the movies and and everything. It, it was also one of the first shows to do a multiverse in its first animated. In its in its first animated, but uh, second because of the live action series revivals. They did a multiverse story arc where the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the 2000s teamed up with the 80s animated turtles and the black and white independent comic book turtles and had an adventure. And that's, that's a great special. Oh, yeah, that's and that's something they've continued. They hearken back to that in every incarnation now, which is kind of sweet. But in the uh, mid 2010s Nickelodeon CGI uh, reboot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Gilbert Godfrey made six appearances as Krang Subprime. On the Angry Video Game Nerd, uh, hosted by James Rolfe, that's, that's been one of the oldest shows on, on YouTube consistently, and, and he showed up as his, uh, his nemesis discussed in other episodes but never shown, Fred Fux, spelled F-U-C-H, and he, he's wearing, like, a pith helmet, and they're talking about some dumb, like, panther game uh, on PlayStation or something like that, if memory serves. He also, uh, Cameo is, is something Gilbert Gottfried made uh, quite a lot of money on. He was, if not the top earner, one of the top three earners on Cameo for a long time until he was beat out by the actor that played Kevin on The Office. And But also around that same time, uh, for I think it was Funny or Die, he did a bit where it was Gilbert Godfrey reads Fifty Shades of Grey. You need to listen to that bit because he's <laughs> yes, reading yeah. the real dialogue, but as only Gilbert can. Well, and it's on College Humor, I think is what it was. But yeah, it's uh, it's really good. You know, Audible became so popular. I'm surprised they didn't pay Gilbert to to do a version of that. Maybe the author wouldn't let them or something, but to do a full version of that that whole uh, four-book series. Holds them up to his nose and inhales deeply. His hands reach around and touch my breasts, and my nipples pucker at his touch. Uh, at, at the time, to show you how long ago it was, it was Steve Jobs announcing that Apple is developing an iPhone. <laughs> and... And Howard Stern's like, oh, that's kind of dumb. What is it? Why do we need? We already have the BlackBerry. And then <laughs> I, I think uh, and, um, Gilbert says, oh, it's the it's the Nipsey Russell Berry. So you don't go around <laughs> BlackBerry neighborhoods. And they just do it for 10 minutes talking over Robin's news segment. Why did My George Kirby Berry? <laughs> Why did Matt 
Marilyn Manson get married? My Rochester. You're asking me this in a, in a the house of Bedlam? Why? Marilyn you know what, Gary? Married? Book Marilyn Manson. I want to ask him why he got married if he's taking calls from all these women. I want to see what it was like blowing my brother. Everybody does it. Even Gilbert's getting married. I drowned her 12 hours later. I emailed her on my Estorol Barry. Oh, Anything else, Rob? Maya, Amos, and Andy, uh, Barry. <laughs> wow. I'm glad you two are entertaining each other. Because Rob well. called up and said Gilbert was quiet now. Yeah, and so man, Gilbert yeah. He did uh, mention, you know, why did you take so many parts? And he's like, well, even if what you do is a piece of shit, at the end of the day, you're still a dollar richer. I mean, yeah, right. his, um, yeah, the last three years he was in Florida, but mainly he was in New York and had a, um, in that Gilbert documentary, they show off his, um, I don't know if it's a house or in, in New York, it has to be an apartment, I would think, but, uh, but it's, it's very nice. And it has a, he, he had a life, uh, one of the life masks of, I think, Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, oh, if shit. memory serves and, uh, but yeah, like little things like that, they, they mentioned in the documentary, but yeah, Gilbert Gottfried, uh, we miss you. We love you. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you will be missed and people will be entertained by your stuff for years to come. Yeah.